Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a very special episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko, and joining me are my brother from another mother in Haas Reuter and my great-great-uncle from somewhere in the family tree, John Dam Johnson. From my, from my carbuncle. And that's our show. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Well, I was thinking, you say Thanksgiving, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone, uh, as Thanksgiving is the day after this uh, show will drop. But, uh, Haas, you mentioned just before we went uh, onto the air or went uh, started recording, a very special week. It is Iowa Hate Week. It only comes around once a year, and by God, it's glorious. And you know what? We're going to get over on those assholes to the east this year. John? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute! It doesn't come around just once every year. Hey, what the hell is what? wrong with you? There's no, no. This is a football podcast right now. We don't. Okay, fine. We don't acknowledge that things like basketball, volleyball, and baseball exist. You're a poopy butt. <laughs> wow! <laughs> All Ouch. of a sudden, uh, Haas, you are the equivalent of my son. On occasion. I ha- I'm going to have to dock John points for a lack of originality in that insult. All right. Uh, so <laughs> John starts out the episode between that and the carbuncle. Uh, he's at negative 10 points. Going to have to, uh, you know, really dig himself out of a hole here as we get going, Hoss. Yeah. I mean, let's see. He's going to have to get something going because, you know, you can't fall into a you know, hole like this early and expect to come back and win at the end. Not with the kind of defense that we've seen from him historically. Yeah, you know what? He likes to run the ball an awful lot. He's going to have to air it out to get back into this thing. And Right now, it's just not one of John Dam Johnson's strong suits. Yeah, kind of like it's not one of Nate Stanley's strong suits either, is it? There we go. I knew the segue was in there somewhere. Well, before we yeah. get talking too much about the, our evil neighbors to the east, Let's let's go back to senior day uh, this past Saturday and Nebraska-Michigan State, of course, Nebraska uh, winning that game, picking up their fourth win of the season in what has really become Nebraska-Michigan State style, uh, and that means ugly. And obviously yeah. weather, weather played a factor, uh, but it was, you know, they mentioned it. It, it was highlighted on Twitter or, or social media, I'd say probably the most, but on a day when you honored – your your fallen comrades, your 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 fallen kickers. It was fitting, really, that the game was you know was nine to six, and all the points scored were were field goals. I and, and of course it, you know it, it we we can say that being on the upside of the score. Um, it, it was a it was a tough day, uh, I think, for the offense with that Michigan State defense. But I think it helped prepare them for the challenge ahead. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, that Iowa front is not going to be appreciably different than Michigan State's. And 
the weather's going to be a whole lot better, so that'll be in our favor a little bit more with our style of play. But it, it was a good tune-up going into Iowa, and I don't mean that as, in terms of any disrespect towards Michigan State calling them a tune-up, but we needed to get into one of those back-alley brawls and come out on top because it does a lot for a team's confidence to go toe-to-toe with a team that, I mean, Michigan State was preseason number 11, and to go toe-to-toe with them and come out on top on a day that was tailor-made for Big Ten football in terms of the weather, that's huge. And even though the offense wasn't clicking a little bit, as a play caller, Scott Frost showed the ability to scrap the plan and just do battle and, you know, call what needed to be called. And it was, you know, it, it really felt like a milestone win walking out of the stadium on Saturday, even though it was – Three and seven Nebraska squaring off with six and four Michigan State. It just the atmosphere, you know, the defense coming around and saving the day after being much maligned all year long. It just it truly felt like a little bit of a milestone, a, a kind of a watershed moment. I think it was. I think it was. Uh, you know, the offense showed that they could win a game even by with without scoring a touchdown, but. Adrian Martinez did not play well. Do you think that was really because of the weather or if he was mentally affected by the weather or he just had a bad game or what the hell is going on there? Well, I think it was the weather. I was at the game and that was some of the more foul weather conditions I've encountered for a Nebraska game. Wind was whipping straight out of the Northeast at about 30 miles an hour. You know, it was snowy. It didn't start snowing until later in the game, but um, when that snow started coming down, that wind picked up. So that plays a role in it. But that Michigan State defense, that was probably one of the better defenses I've seen Nebraska play in a very long time. There was the interior offensive line did not give Martinez good protection. They were getting rushers through, you know, in the A gaps and B gaps. Our tackles did all right, but he was affected by pressure right in his face. And then when we were trying to run the football, there'd be holes that would open up. And by the time Ozigbo or Maurice Washington could press the line of scrimmage or press the point of attack, those holes were closing up. That was a very fast, very disciplined defensive front seven. It's a good thing. Antonio Reed showed up to play. Yeah. He, uh, that was, it was a welcome to the party pal moment. You know, it's, you heard so much about the potential that he had his entire career. And it's just, he never quite put it all together to show it on the field. And it's fitting that it, you know, finally happened in his last game in Memorial Stadium. And I'm happy, you know, better late than never. I'm happy that he showed up and uh, we could use another big game like that from him against Iowa. Well, there's one left. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now the depression sets in. Don't think we about do, it yet. We've still got to get through to this. What, I'm going to have to do what you did all day yesterday, watch NFL football, except unlike you, I actually enjoy watching the NFL, John. I, I enjoyed it yesterday. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, you were telling me in Slack about how much you can't, how little of NFL you watch. Well, that is true. That's because it used to be that there was no offense whatsoever. Now it's apparent that there's offense. Somebody decided that, uh, I don't know, maybe we'd change the rules or maybe there's some coaches in the NFL that finally said, 
I don't have to run this same offense everybody else does. Maybe I'll do something hmm, innovative, different. Wow. Well, you know, about four or five years ago when that trend started sweeping through the NFL, that's when I started watching a whole hell of a lot more of NFL because I was like you once upon a time, John. (laughs) I think you're – listen – Let's not kid ourselves. Your old, crusty, angry years are ahead of you. I don't, you know what? I may never get old, crusty, and angry. Cynicism is not my wheelhouse. It happens. Your, <laughs> child, your children disappoint you. Your dog <laughs> bites you. Yeah, your cars break down. Taxes. Oh, man. Oh, I, the car's breaking down. I'm well acquainted with that one. All right. So. What else about the Michigan State? I will say one more thing about the Michigan State game. The last two plays of the game, what happened? On the uh, incompletion on fourth down and cracking my brain up. No, 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 no. The last, exact last two plays of the game. Well, we got into our victory formation and (laughs) took a knee, and then the second time we snapped it, it almost went over his head. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of let out a real nervous laugh in the stadium, just kind of thinking to myself, like, oh, that could have been bad. And and I did, was there anybody around you that said, why isn't he under center? Oh, yeah, there's there's someone behind me. It was actually a Michigan State fan who was behind me. It was like, why isn't he under center? It's like, well, to tell you the truth, a lot more could go wrong if you're primarily a shotgun or pistol team getting under center for the first time all game in that situation. Did you explain it to him? Yeah, it's we're taking a knee. That's our victory formation. We're shotgun-oriented team. That's kind of what I thought. But then that last snap almost went over his head, and I thought, my, oh, my God. And then nobody nobody has mentioned it at all. No, I thought people would be like, rrr, rrr, rrr. We're, we're all they, just so dadgum happy. That's probably true. Yeah. Oh, man, let me tell you. On the way out of there, there happened to be an Iowa fan. Standing there on the corner of about 10th and M Street, wearing his Iowa starter jacket. It was white and yellow, and the white was more yellow than white. And um, my buddy goes, hey, it's Iowa Hate Week. And another Nebraska fan goes, hell, that's every week. And the Iowa fan goes, fuck you guys. (laughs) Nebraska, what the fuck do you expect, pal? Yeah, especially there right after a game. Yeah, like he either you expect to waltz through there without a crossword being spoken in his direction. I mean, just totally couldn't take it in stride at all. Greg, are you still with us? Oh, I'm absolutely here. I was <laughs> enjoying the uh, anecdote, uh, especially as, as we're in Iowa Hate Week. Uh, new shirts are available at uh, jitterymonkey.com slash shop, so you can get your Iowa Sucks uh, shirt in uh, in red and white, you know, the, the, the scarlet and cream, or you can go gorilla style and get it in black and gold, There's a, or black and yellow. There's your uh, cheap plug for, for the T-shirt shop that is up and running now, jitterymonkey.com slash shop. Um, T-shirts ordered today should be in probably after the game unless you do some expedited shipping, but uh, you, you'll always have the memories. You'll know it's on the way. Oh, yeah. You know, you can maybe even get the score printed on the back. Go oh. to your local T-shirt 
go to your local t-shirt printing store in whatever town, nice hamlet you reside in, and no, 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 get no, the don't, score don't. 50. Oh, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to save that prediction. I'm going to save that prediction because I've been saying it all damn year. I'm going to save it for the end. The time will come. I was going to say, don't give them ideas because we can put that on the shirt shop, jitterymonkey.com slash shop. We can put the score up there and uh, and remind Perfect. everyone. I like it. You know, uh, there might need to be another T-shirt idea. My prediction that I've been saying all year comes to fruition. Uh, 50 burger? Just a red shirt, white lettering that says half a hundred. I'm, I'm on board. We'll make it happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would I would wear that shirt every day. And uh, hopefully you'd wash it every I have to get night. a second one to cut the sleeves off of so I can wear it <laughs> in the gym. So going back to the Michigan State game, uh, and, and don't worry, folks, we are going to uh, rip on Iowa at, you know, for a, a good portion of the show. Um, but I – this is going to sound bad. I have DVR'd the game. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Uh, I listened to the game. I was working on Saturday, so I was listening to the game through the TuneIn app that a friend of the show, Josh, reminded me was a thing a few weeks back. Uh, so I was listening to the Huskers IMG radio network, and uh, it was nice to hear, you know, like the, the voice of Greg Sharp, Matt Davison, uh, on on uh, on there. Matt Coatney was in the, in the booth doing the scoreboard updates, things like that. Just... Uh, I enjoyed that, but again, I didn't watch the game. I I have the game on DVR. I'll probably watch it. Uh, you know, give me something to do Thanksgiving night. You know, a little little uh, to use Hoss your phrase, a little tune up before uh, uh, Friday. But you know, everything that I heard. I mean, it was just it was the kind of game. And I know this is rehashing a little bit, but it was the kind of game that we needed from the defense. You know, you have Muhammad Barry, who you know. Eclipsed the 100 uh, tackle mark. Uh, I think he's the first Husker in, in a season to have 100 tackles since 2014. Uh, obviously, Divine Ozigbo uh, crossing the 1,000-yard the uh, mark. I mean, just on a day when you needed everybody at their best and, and you know, weather conditions being what they were and, and the opponent being who it was. I mean, this is a Michigan State team that has – traditionally held offenses in check you needed to find ways to win and i said it at the end of last episode as a joke i said you know someday you're just you know i believe that i'm still in the camp that uh, someday you just need a field goal and uh bear pickering man he he came through in a big way and i think his performance this past saturday shook off the the kind of negative feelings that a lot of husker fans harbored uh towards him at the beginning of the season, correct? Yeah. Uh, I would definitely say that he shook off the negative feelings. That that was a hell of a performance. That last field goal that he hit to take the lead, man, that thing was a line drive. and gave me a heart attack seeing it come off of his foot. But that, that was a hell of a performance. His kickoffs, he's actually a really good kickoff specialist as well. Can, can I ask and, about uh, that? Can, can yeah. I, because at the beginning of the season, we all know Caleb Lightborn, you know, lost the the punting duties. But was it just this game? I mean, was was Lightborn hurt? No. Or? Uh, Pickering kicked against kicked off against Illinois too. They, okay. uh, I missed that part. The staff benched Lightborn after the Ohio State mishap. Okay. Yeah. Now is he? 
we talked about this before, you know, especially this year with the the attrition and the guys who aren't, uh, you know, at in the spot on the on the depth chart that they think they should be. Do we foresee Caleb Lightburn being a guy who's going to stick it out and try to earn that spot back, or is he, you know, going to try a greener pasture somewhere? I would probably say that he'll try a greener pasture being a junior this year, you know. With only a year left of eligibility. He still has a redshirt year because he played as a true freshman after Sam Fultz passed to, yeah. away. And oh, so that's right. I, I, I think he'll probably transfer out of the program. I, you know, that's unfortunate because – and I think, you know, I, I guess you can say what you want about him. Um, but he, as you mentioned, Haas did step into a very uncomfortable – I guess perhaps is the the word uh, unfortunate, mm-hmm. certainly situation as a freshman um, was put in a spot that you know never. I mean, you never want to. to I mean, obviously, you want to earn the starting spot, but you never want it to have it you know happen that way. Um, so, but really, I mean, I thought his sophomore year was really solid. I thought so too. I thought he had a really nice sophomore campaign, and you know. Bob Diaco was the kickers and punters coach last year, so maybe he's just a huge Diaco guy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I could see him. I mean, why transfer now? You want to play. Well, that's true. But, I mean, try to win back the job over the offseason. Right. Spring ball. Summer, you know, you can't go as far as, like, fall camp, but try to do something, but. If he feels like him getting benched is something that he's not going to unseat Pickering or Isaac Armstrong at the putting position, oh, excuse me, can't stop yawning. Um, I don't, he's probably off to greener greener pastures for him. You know, he might be a little he might be a little uh, upset that he transferred after we're playing in the Big Ten championship game next year. Wow, confidence. <laughs> Oh, I was I was waiting for a reaction. Well, now that. here's the thing, and and not to, I, I guess not to, you know, be a, a I don't know a bandwagon. I'm not a bandwagon driver because I've been on on the wagon for, but I could see the the way the defense, you know, everything came together for the defense this past weekend, and the way the offense has been rolling, when those two were firing on all cylinders at the same time. This Husker team is going to be awfully damn dangerous. We hope dangerous. we hope that you know they're they're every, everyone's firing you know and, and the everyone's heading the, the right the same direction uh, this uh, you know Friday uh, obviously because nothing would bring a smile to my face more than going into Iowa City and uh, it, and just beating the shit out of them. Making them feel bad about having Kirk Ferentz as their coach. Making Friday the saddest day in Iowa since they put Sudafed behind the counter. (laughs) (laughs) Making them wish they never closed the field of dreams. This one's personal with me. I guess. I, I have a lot of acquaintances, co-workers, even some friends who are Iowa fans. And damn it, I want to beat these guys. Have you considered uh, finding better friends? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. 
So let's, you know, we talk about this every year, the Thanksgiving hangover. Um, obviously, these are top flight athletes, you know, student athletes, but, you know, certainly athletes, and they have a very, uh, I don't want to say orchestrated. Thanksgiving but, week as a college student sucks. I'll be the first to say it. So, no, tell me why. Because I'm not a college you student. You just and get I everything been. piled up on you. Okay. All the work. You know, it's a crucial point of the semester. It's a short week, and you're just kind of focusing on, you know, having some time off and relaxing. And you still got stuff to do. In their case, you got to go to practice, watch film, lift weights, get a game plan installed, be in meetings, you know, along with all their other obligations. And so it's, and then to top it off, you got a Black Friday game. So everything's pushed forward a day. You know, what you're doing and normally doing in five days, you're doing in about four. So I, you know, it's hectic for the coaches and players. So I, uh, it's hectic for me, you know, uh, just as a regular college student working a job. But so I, I, I kind of lost where I was going with that. I had this great way to sum it up and my mind just totally went, you know, blank on me. Well, I think so. Yeah, kind of like you're kind of like you're old or something. Hey, not as old as you. Now, take it easy, John. He's the pup in the group here. Yeah, but obviously not mentally. <laughs> no. Hey, you you tried teaching 44 7th graders. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. That, Everybody that, chooses that'll... their career, buddy. <laughs> I know, and I enjoy it for the most part, but sometimes I ask myself what I'm doing. Sometimes the career chooses you. Yeah, kind of like that too, but no, it's just there's a lot going on. It's been a long semester in this case, a long season as well. So there, there could be a tendency to kind of you know, if somebody's not acclimated to the kind of grind that a short week is. They could maybe get lost, you know, thinking too far ahead or not being urgent enough in their preparation. Well, I don't think I don't think that'll be a problem with this team. No, we've lost to so Iowa either. three straight times. The and senior class has not beaten Iowa. They beat them in fourteen if they redshirted in fourteen. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> whatever. But I mean, that's. I'm a, just happy, you know. This I, I'm not going to Iowa City this year, and you know, after going to two Nebraska, three Nebraska Iowa games in 13, 15 and 16, all losses that I attended, I don't think I'm ever going to attend another Nebraska Iowa game. I don't think you're allowed to. Yeah, I don't think so. I I mean and, and you laugh. John laughs, but I think we as a coordination staff have prohibited you from attending another Nebraska Iowa game. Yeah, I mean I should just like I should start going to well, every Nebraska-Michigan State game we've won, so I have that one. I've been to the one game that we know, been to a game that we lost to Wisconsin as well. So that, yeah. Okay, but my, my luck is not as bad as when I met at Nebraska. Well, did, did you go to the Nebraska-Bethune-Cookman game? No, I did not. All right. But I was, at, I was at probably the most painful game this year. Northwestern, I know. Nebraska-Northwestern. And that, really, that's not your fault. That's just Chicago being Chicago. Chicago, that's one hell of a city. 
It's something. As a downstate Illinois, and it sure is something. Yeah, sure is something looming up there to the north. Uh-huh. Duh. Quite, quite the stench. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, what? since we're on the topic again about Nebraska-Iowa, because, hey, it's Iowa Hate Week. Yes, it is. The The importance of playing a clean football game, not just from the aspect of penalties, but limiting negative yardage plays. And we're, we've been doing a pretty good job of that the past few games, especially since we started turning things around from the Northwestern game to now. But if we're going to really cause problems for Iowa's defense, we've got to be ahead of schedule on down and distance. You know, second and six, second and four, you know, being able to get into some situations where it's second and one and the whole playbook's open. Because if we can keep their safeties having to account for the full range of our offense, meaning deep throws to receivers, underneath throws to receivers, screens to the perimeter, that's going to open up our running game even more. And they've got a pretty stalwart defense against the run. Um, They're not the 85 Bears. They're they're not the 2018 Michigan State Spartans rushing defense. They're eighth. Yeah, they're they're eighth. And to be fair, they kind of had a cake schedule, um, just like Iowa always does. And so it'll be interesting to see how we stack up with them and running the ball. A.J. Espinesa, Espinesa, I can never get the name right. Um, He's a pretty good D.N. They got three freshman linebackers who replaced guys like Jewel and Bo Bauer and Ben Neiman. So you're throwing a lot of offense at them, counters, pullers, stuff like that. Got to be ahead in down and distance so we can have the full offense open to run constraint plays off of our base stuff, throw screens, throw it deep, you know, quarterback running game in certain situations. And if we, if we can do that, you know, meaning get a good completion on first down, get a good gain on first down. This is going to be one fun ball game. Let me pick your brain. Wait, I want to. I want to go back to what he said. Something there, right there, right there, right there. So, I mean, if you're an Iowa fan, you just happen to be listening to this podcast. I just want to say, boy, did you screw this year up? You screwed this year up so unbelievably bad. I don't know why you'd still be a fan of this team. You, you, you played the crappiest schedule maybe possible when it comes to Big Ten football. You literally played Penn State. That was it. And you're 4-4 four and four right now in Big Ten play. Okay? You, you lost to Wisconsin. That's, you know, whatever. And you lost to Penn State. You lose to Purdue. You lose to Northwestern in that slug match. Literally... You, this was the tier year that Iowa could have won the Big Ten West. It was lit, set up for them, and they blew it. They suck. And you know what's funny about that? Before last Saturday, all their fans, all the Iowa fans had turned on Ferentz family football. And after they beat Illinois 63 to nothing, while Illinois is missing their tailback Corbin, suddenly Iowa's Alabama. Suddenly, Brian Ference is the second coming of Bill Belichick. So, Iowa fans, don't ever change. Yeah. So, I, 
I don't don't get me wrong. Before we're done here, I'm gonna uh, rag on Iowa as well. Uh, but Haas, I want to talk to you. You know, you mentioned some of those schematic things that that Nebraska needs to do to you know stay ahead of schedule in the down and distance uh, game. Talk to me about the improvements that you have seen in this offensive line. Uh, I know that there are still a few mental hiccups from time to time, you know, a hold here or there. But this is not the same offensive line that, you know, started the season. And, and I mean, personnel-wise, obviously, you know, they've, they've had to make a few adjustments. But just overall cohesive – or I guess cohesion is the word I'm looking for uh, if we're going to be, you know, political – not political, but if we're going to be grammatically correct. Uh, talk, just talk to me about – how this offensive line has improved, especially over the last half a dozen games? Well, the big thing is personnel. As you mentioned, we got Tanner Farmer in there, and he's much more well-equipped to handle the center position against nose guards. But honestly, it's just repetition. You know, they it took time to gel and get everything down, but they're showing really good technique. They're playing with some nastiness. There's not a lot of missed assignments. And that that's huge. There and with that came a lot of confidence. Those guys play confidently now. I don't after a bad play I don't see them getting their heads down or just standing there watching a pass rusher, you know. Ta- you know, sack Martinez in the backfield. You know, there's actually a little bit of pride and some nastiness amongst these guys. And it just all goes back to repetition, technique. Because they didn't get more talented overnight. I mean, your baseline talent is your baseline talent, but they just kept working at it. And I'm actually I'm really proud of the way these guys have developed over the course of the season. I didn't think that they were ever going to get to this point. To tell you the truth, after especially after that Troy game, I can excuse the Michigan game, can't excuse the Troy game, and uh, so and you saw it. Me, you know, you had that stretch with Troy and Michigan. Then against Purdue, they played a little bit better. Against Wisconsin, they played a little bit better than the week before. And then against Northwestern, they started really clicking. And so, um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how bringing in newcomers in the in, on the interior offensive line at left guard and center works next year. But with having Hymas, Bo Wilson, and Matt Farniak all coming back, that's a solid nucleus of guys to build around for next season. Should Greg Austin receive at least some consideration for the, you know, assistant coach of the year award that that, that gets handed out? Well, I don't think he's on the Broyles, uh, Frank Broyles award watch list, but I believe he's on the Joe Moore award watch list, which uh, the Joe Moore award goes to the nation's best offensive line coach. And judging from where we started to where we are at now, give him the damn award. I mean, that guy has probably done as magnificent of a coaching job as anyone on this staff and as any other offensive line coach in the country. It's it's nothing short of amazing. We still have our hiccups. We still have some issues getting that left side B-gap, you know, accounted for in pass protection. But those guys have continued to improve each and every game, and it's the guy coaching it who is really stuck – with those guys and they didn't panic and bring in wholesale changes and you know he just coached them harder and coached them up what 
While we're talking about the offensive line, I want to get your take on the defensive side because, you know, as I'm listening to the game this past Saturday, uh, Sharp and Davison were making note of, you know, numerous times that, uh, you know, Shenander was running in, you know, a whole new defensive line unit. Um, Obviously, you know, on on a day like we had Saturday when it's cold and snowy and, uh, you know, you have the, the opportunity. I mean, but... But they were, you know, talk about your wholesale changes. It was, you know, three guys as a unit get out on the field and go. What has been your biggest takeaway from the defensive line, uh, you know, this season, especially in the last month or so? Just getting into their correct gaps and their run fits, playing with better technique. Um, but big thing has been the emergence of Damian Daniels. Seems like the staff trusts him a little bit more as the season's gone on. Instead of, because when Mick first got hurt, it was a lot of rotation between him and Peyton Newell and Carlos Davis. And now, you know, they're starting to put Carlos Davis more back at that DN kind of position. They're starting to roll with Damian Daniels a lot more. He's a, he's a big space eater, so... You know, if he can get up to speed and he can get, you know, really comfortable at this level because he's only a redshirt freshman, he's going to be a very good player. But a lot of it just gets back to guys knowing their assignments and executing their assignments. Well, are you guys ready to go? Uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Wholesale whoop ass on, on uh, Iowa and, and their program and their fans and finish this episode out with some gosh darn entertainment let's do it friend all right buddy john guy what oh welcome back <laughs> you have your milk of magnesium well i know what the hell is that i don't know don't old people drink that god what? yeah with scotch what the hell Th- this is john we're first of all we're about an hour past his bedtime but I imagine yeah, I imagine he's uh, you know on a night that he's not spending uh, his time with us recording this uh, fine podcast uh, available where uh, you find your fine favorite podcast. I imagine he's sitting on a plastic covered couch, uh, drinking his Metamucil and watching Murder She Wrote. Golden Girls. What the hell? <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I probably stay up later than both of you sons of bitches to get up. <laughs> you even think about it. I accomplish more by 7 a.m. than you do most of the day and I, all those sorts I, of things like that I'm okay yeah, so I, I gotta say I'm in my mid-30s I, I you know I'm 36 it is what it is uh, I was in, in my truck today at work I was riding with a young guy who was helping me out uh, t- he's 21 and I made a an 80s sitcom reference that went right over his head and it was I thought it was a relatively obvious one. I mean, uh, and, and I think he even went into the 90s, too. And I'm not talking like home improvement or something like that. You know, slightly more obscure, but, uh, you know, recognizable. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I almost wanted to leave him in the town we were at. I'm like, come on, dude. Uh, you know, get, get, get your head out of the video games and, uh, and, and, you know, watch TV like the rest of us did, damn it. <laughs> Speaking... Speaking of references, old references, uh, I'll bring this, this up. 1985. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to tell us about. Uh, Nebraska plays Missouri. Dale Klein kicks seven field goals in that game. 
and we still had a touchdown in that game. We did, but that's not the point. I remember distinctly a guy as I'm leaving the stadium saying, "If or, no, was it? It was in Missouri. I remember a guy saying to me specifically, if we have to kick field goals to win a game, we don't deserve to win it. And I thought, you're a, a stupid butt. <laughs> that's a what stupid, I thought. That's exactly what I thought of that guy. He, he's a stupid butt. Did you hear that, Hoss? Yeah, I go right for John the jugular. Like he's a preschool teacher. <laughs> I, I thought the the reference that John was going to make was uh, uh, when Teddy Roosevelt, uh, you know, got him all psyched up to charge San Juan Hill. Kind of like this Friday. <laughs> kind of like this Friday. Kind of like uh, kind of like uh, Nate Stanley was on the what is that? What's the the Maxwell Award watch list at the beginning <laughs> of the year? He's not there now, is he? I don't think he is. John, you want to lead off with your prediction for us? Are we already doing predictions? I mean, we can spend a few more minutes making fun of the uh, Ferences and and, uh, Iowa in general. Well, I would predict that the announcers will comment on how bad Iowa smells like hogs. I don't think they'll make such a prediction. I bet you they will uh, fall over themselves. And again, this is a sweet gesture. Uh, it's It's the only... uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the only respectable. No, that's not the word. It's the only. There's a, a nice fancy college word that I'm I'm trying to think of, and it's you can tell I only went to two years of college. Um, anyway, that thing that uh, the the fans do when they turn around and everybody waves at the children's hospital. That's nice. Oh yeah, redeemable. There we go. Uh, I don't know how much of a college word that is, but that's about the only thing redeemable about Iowa City. Um, I don't know. It's a, I, I, I've said it before, uh, probably on this podcast, just not this episode, but I have family from Iowa, like my aunt, who is awesome, is a Hawkeyes fan, and, uh, uh, you know, she born and raised a Hawkeyes fan, and uh, um, she aunt by marriage. You know, it is what it is. Um, so we always go back and forth, you know, typically this week. I'm sure I'll, I'll uh, post the new shirt designs on my Facebook page so that she can see them and uh, – roll her eyes, and, and uh, you know, we'll have some fun. Um, but I, I don't know. Aside from, aside from her and my uncle, there's, like, there's nothing in Iowa. Iowa is, pff, Iowa is Kansas except the, the shit smell from all the hog farms. <laughs> they have better dirt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make – I should make a shirt that says, Iowa is like Kansas but worse. Works. It works. All right. So, Hoss, who you... else can we? Who else is there? No, there's no predictions. What about this Noah Fant dude? Did he catch the ball actually last week? Did they throw in yeah, the ball? Yeah, like is everybody happy? Oh, well, that's nice. It's nice that they finally included him in a game where they won 63 to nothing over a team that was just crappy in the first place. And then this Hawkinson kid, I assume he caught a lot of balls. So I was going to watch that game, but then, I mean, you know, Iowa, it's like every once in a while, Kirk Ferentz goes, hey, let's uh, try to actually work this week and put a game down, plan together where we score. Because Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. He's too busy just cashing his checks. I, they're doing something. I don't know what he's doing. But did, you, did you watch? We talked a little bit about Iowa Northwestern the week before, didn't we? I don't think so. Yes. Okay. Did you guys watch that game? Because I watched that game, 
And it was like Iowa was terrified to throw the ball 10 yards down the field. It was a terrible game. I mean, it was, I don't know. You know what it was like? It was like watching an entertainment show where people just put leeches on their bodies to see who bleeds to death the fastest. Northwestern was your typical Northwestern offense where they're just like, no, well, maybe we'll score someday. And then Iowa was like, oh, my God, we don't want to score. That would be too, I don't know, the blood pressure would get up or too much or something. (laughs) Literally, Nate Stanley would not throw the ball. Either they didn't call plays to throw the ball down the field of their tight ends or Nate just went, I can't throw the ball down the field. I don't know what the deal was with them. Either or, I mean, I, you're not wrong, John, really. Um, it, it's w- Watching football like that when two teams refuse to score is painful. It is. And here's, you know, Husker Mike made this comment yesterday in our Slack room and uh, about Iowa being a rival and that he doesn't think Iowa should be a rival because – they don't aspire us to anything. You know what I mean? They're, they're not who we want to be. They're not who we want to be. At all those years with Oklahoma, it was like four championship stuff. It was for big eight championships. And who's going to go to the Orange Bowl? And who's going to have a shot at like a national title or at least be in the mix in the top five rankings at the end of the year? You know, when you look at Iowa, they got nothing. They got nothing in their history. Sure, they beat us the last three years. But you know what? You know what? For historical reference, Japan was pretty high and mighty during World War II in that era, and that was the only time they ever beat China in the last like two thousand years. Okay, <laughs> so big whoop-de-doo, you've beaten us three years in a row. You got nothing to show for it out of this. It's just like this season; they couldn't win the Big Ten West, even though they had the, like the weakest schedule possible. And everybody else sucked. Wisconsin was going to run away with this thing. And, you know, Alex Hornickbrook gets injured. Quentin Cephas gets uh, domestic abuse charges filed against him. He's off the team. You know, they got injuries. All sorts of stuff happened to Wisconsin. And, you know, in Nebraska, we don't get our crap together until the middle of the season. And there sits Iowa. Still just nothing. Hey, what are you guys doing? Nah, nothing. I got hot guys on my belly. You know, that's pretty much it. So I think in a way, in a way, in a way, Husker Mike has a point that they aspire us to nothing. There's no, there's no, you know, nothing. This is not, but rivalries don't need to be about competitive excellence. Rivalries are about good old fashioned hate. You can have a rivalry just based out of hate. You can have one out of competitive excellence. Nebraska, Oklahoma is competitive excellence. Nebraska, Iowa is just hate. It's a border war. Omaha's the 38th parallel between, you know, Nebraska fans and Iowa fans. I want to embrace it. It's fun. Both sides hate the shit out of each other. The chirping starts, you know, a couple weeks before the game starts. So it's a rivalry. You can't go anywhere in Omaha without bumping into an Iowa fan. I can't go into Oscars. And, you know, order a beer from the bar without some idiot wearing his Hawks, you know, 2016 Rose Bowl shirt where they got beat by Stanford by about seven touchdowns. You know, they're everywhere. So what you're saying. So what you're saying is even if they don't aspire us to excellence, all we want to do is wipe this Iowa shit off our shoes. Let let me. You want to beat the highway until it quits beating back. 
Let me ask this question, uh, because I think perhaps ever since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, this has been overlooked. If Nebraska played any other team regularly on Black Friday, would they be or like if if Nebraska and Northwestern met up and Northwestern plays Illinois, so that's kind of tied up. But maybe I don't know Northwestern was or uh, Nebraska Wisconsin or or I mean is is that just I thought oh, shit I think Wisconsin plays Minnesota because they have uh, the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Or it, are you are you asking? Correct me if I'm wrong, Bart. Are you asking if whoever we played? Black Friday, if that would be our rival. Yeah, as long as it's, you know, sustained. And I don't mean, you know, I'm not trying to say that Colorado was a rival. Colorado's just a team we love to beat. Um, But, you know, they were the day after Thanksgiving traditional game that you just look forward to because, you know, it was, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, if, if if it was a series that was established, you know, Nebraska versus, you know, fill in the blank, and that was going to be the game after you know the Black Friday game every year, it, it, because we you know that damn Hy-Vee Heroes Trophy is a manufactured trophy. It's, it doesn't have the spirit, doesn't have the fun of the even you know something like the five dollar bits yeah. uh, broken chair trophy or any of the trophies in the Big Ten. But I look at it and and this is you know the day or Thanksgiving weekend is a day of rivalries. You know there's the Iron Bowl, there's uh you know the game, uh, but I heard I heard on. You know, ESPN out of St. Louis, they, they were talking about Missouri, Arkansas, the border war. And I got to thinking, I'm like, when, how many times have these two teams actually played each other? Maybe a handful since, you know, since Missouri joined the SEC. But I, I, don't, I don't go and I don't look at that, that historically as being, you know, a rival. Like, I think of Kansas, Nebraska. You know, or I mean, Kansas, uh, Missouri, and I think of you know Nebraska, Oklahoma, or you know to an extent even Nebraska, Colorado. But I just I I have trouble digesting or the notion uh, of this manufactured rivalry between Iowa. You know, I think if you put anybody You're- in that game, then then they're uh, at least the, the the chosen rivalry at the moment. Here's the thing, though. The trophy might be manufactured, but the, the rivalry is, is not. Okay. It, the conditions were always ripe for a rivalry with Iowa, even before we joined the Big Ten. Fans on both sides always jawed at one another about, you know, we always said we'd just beat the shit out of Iowa if we played them every year when we were, you know, operating at full sale. Iowa fans always thought that our schedule in the Big 8 and Big 12 was weak. And that, you know, we didn't play anybody. And if we played in their league, we'd get beat. And then Iowa fans living in Omaha want to act all aghast that Omaha's in their words, big red mania. Yeah, well, no shit. It's in Lincoln, you know. So I like to say, or no shit, Omaha's in Nebraska. That's why I always like to say those Iowa fans. So the conditions were always ripe. You could play Iowa the first week of the season. You could play them the third week of October. It was always going to be a rivalry. Okay. I know. Here's the thing. Uh, Northwestern, if we played Northwestern and tried to make them into a rivalry, uh, first of all, I don't think Nebraska fans really, I think they respect Northwestern to a certain level, but, but it's really hard to have a rivalry of another school that where they don't even care about their own team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's exactly. regular that other people go to Evanston and fill up Northwestern Stadium, right? And and you could kind of say the same thing about Minnesota. Minnesota's, 
you know, they've built a new stadium. They've got a dynamic coach, even though a lot of people think he's crazy. But you know what I mean? They're trying. But again, it goes back to we wouldn't look at Minnesota the same way because we don't hate them enough and they don't aspire us to excellence enough. The only other team that would have fit that bill was Wisconsin. And that's because of, you know, Barry Alvarez legacy of, of building them from the garbage that they were before he got there into a functional football team. And now kind of a, you wouldn't want to call them a a powerhouse, but they've certainly become one of the better teams over the last, you know, 15 years. So, Plus, they got that whole run game, red and white thing going on. They stole our, our traditions, blah, right. blah, blah. So the only two teams that would have fit this bill are Iowa and Wisconsin. Since you mentioned, uh, John, you mentioned Northwestern and, and how it's hard to have a rivalry with a team that, you know, or with, you know, a fan base that doesn't care that much about its own team. I, I'm sure you all saw the clip uh, after the Kentucky game uh, where I guess it was the senior kind of called out the fan base and, and said, hey, you know, we're a, we're a – I don't know if they're top 15, top 20, whatever, but you know, we're a ranked team on senior day and we can't get, you know, the kind of support. Uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says you've got Nebraska who started – and he, he – I mean, he was right to his point. He said they started 0-5. I mean, we did, but we technically started 0-6. Uh, he said and you've got, you know, uh, a packed house, you know, for them, you know – there is, and, and I get that in Nebraska, there's not a whole lot else to do aside from Phillip Memorial Stadium. Like I get it, you know, you we we've talked in, in you know going back and seeing the last time Nebraska played down in Miami, and there's a, a sizable chunk of the the stadium that's not being used, and it Miami's you know the Coliseum in Los Angeles. I I think uh, one of the guys from the Big Red Cobcast said. Uh, you know, hey, if you want to go to the L.A. Coliseum and watch, you know, a bunch of players who, uh, you know, hook, hooked a bunch of Nebraska fans along for social media likes, you can come out and watch UCLA and UC- USC, uh, you know, strung them along. Uh, you know, but, you know, even those those games aren't at capacity. There's something – there is something special about Nebraska and, and the fan base, and it's fitting – this might sound weird, you know, especially X amount of years into into the relationship, but I think Nebraska fits in the Big Ten. Um, this is, I mean, this is a football conference as much as it is, you know, basketball, uh, you know, everything else. It's just there's something you get a, a little rabid uh, as as fans uh, with, you know, as you mentioned, John, with the exception of Northwestern and, and Illinois not always filling up their Memorial Stadium. But, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, you know, Purdue, they've had a good year, so they're, you know, getting you know more butts in the seats. Uh, Wisconsin is always energetic. Penn State, I mean, take away the Rutgers and the, and the Northwesterns and the possibly Maryland's of the world, and, and you've got a pretty strong attendance across the board uh, for the Big Ten, and that's why I think Nebraska uh, does well. And, and I'm not opposed to calling Iowa a rival, uh, Haas, for many of the reasons that you laid out just a few minutes ago. Uh, and part of that is, like you said, when you look at the schedule and you find the team that you just want to beat the most, that's your rival. And, I mean, I thank the good Lord that you know we're not 
you know, zero and eleven, and and we're in that case. Well, I don't care if we win just one game as long as it's Iowa. We're not in that in that situation. But I look at this game. This is a pivotal game because you win this game, you still have an outside shot at a bowl. And as we talked last week, a bowl is an opportunity for uh, you, you know the, this team to get more practice, to you know get more reps, get get more see more action on the field. But I look at it as and, and this was a question posed on the Facebook page, and if you will indulge me, I like your thoughts on this as well. Uh, but this was we, we actually got, believe it or not, uh, a post on uh, Facebook asking our uh, opinion. And Mary, Mary's from Grant, Perkins County, I think, in, in, in Nebraska, uh, says the scuttlebutt, you can tell that Mary's, and I, I can say this, I know Mary. Mary's a, a mom of a friend of the show, Josh. But she says the scuttlebutt is that if Nebraska wins a game against Iowa, they'll get a bowl game even at 5-7 and seven because the fans travel so well and uh, mean big money to the host city, which is true. What is your opinion? And my, I answered for myself, and I, I want you guys to weigh in, but um, it, I, I think it would be fantastic for this group of seniors who, you know, maybe uh, if they opt to play in the bowl game and, and maybe not, you know, risk injury for the combine or something like that. But I think it's a great way to send these seniors out. I think that they've earned the opportunity. They've, uh, you know, they've endured a lot in there for five years. Uh, so I think they, they and as I phrased it on Facebook, I said I, I think that they've earned one more game with the program going in the right direction. What say you guys? Well, definitely. Uh, definitely deserve a bowl game, especially digging out, you know, well, before we get to the context of this season, just what they've endured their entire careers. But then when you look at from digging out from an 0-6 start to a 5-7 and start and the possibility of a bowl, albeit a very long shot possibility, um, I would love to see that, you know, for them as a capstone to their career. For my own selfish reasons as a Husker football fan, I'm just wanting to see the team play as many times as possible in a season. So, uh, I, Lord willing, please let something fall into place because I'm, starting to talk myself into actually <laughs> believing going to a bowl because i yeah think I, I, I don't back in the apr yeah i don't plus i don't they can't uh if there's six and six teams out there they can't just reach out and take somebody else because sure nebraska travels well i mean i'd love to see us in a bowl game too but uh you know that's not going to happen but I mean, if 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 the chips fall in place, no issue with you, John, with with Nebraska in Scott Frost's first year going to going bowling at five and seven, just like they did in Mike Riley's first year of five and seven. No, I think why would you have any issue with that? That's just I dumb. Know. I don't know. I just, just shit. That was the question as it was posed. Well, a lot I of people listen. A, a lot of people listen to this. Here. A lot of people do listen to this. Um, yeah, you guys that listen to this and thinks it's dumb that we would go to a bowl at five and seven, you're you're just dunderheads. And and, and I'll I'll say this, thank you. <laughs> that and and uh, Carbuncle, we got we're hearing some words tonight, uh, Hoss. Uh, we we are hearing straight profanity from the 1870s. Yes, we are. Now let's 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 do something that'll really get the good. Not good 
not good at all. The uh, the somewhat tolerable people east of the river all riled up. Let's do predictions. And before we do that, we want to uh, uh, congratulate the Husker men's basketball team. Nebraska ball picked up a win uh, Monday night in Kansas City against uh, Missouri State, 85-62. That final came in as we were recording, so I wanted to uh, uh, throw that in there. Make sure that uh, you go to coordination.com, read all about it. Uh, Patrick Gerhardt is uh, recapping the basketball this week. Prediction time, and we already know half of where Haas is going. So, John, we're going to have you start with your Black Friday prediction. Black Friday sounds so bad. I don't Black Friday. Maybe it should be Red Friday. What the hell's wrong with that? Well, because traditionally Black Friday is the day yada yada businesses and corporations they have the sales and they get uh, their money, uh, their their bank accounts in the black. Oh. To get well, out if of they were, maybe if they were that crappy a business, they should be doing business the rest of the year. Okay, I work with people who are Black Friday's a big thing to them. I get it. Okay, I, 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 I'm looking at the weather report. Friday shows high of 51 degrees, uh, showers, precipitation at 70 percent, winds uh, out of 11 miles per hour. So, you know, obviously not Michigan State weather. And I'd say uh, nom, 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 38 points for us and negative uh, 436 for them because they suck. And now I'll say uh, I'll give them 10. And make sure you get your Iowa Sucks shirts at uh, jitterymonkey.com slash shop. There you go. I mean, really, besides the two tight ends, who do we have to guard? That's a very Our good question. Our own ass. We got to make sure we take care of business on our end, is what they say, how they say. Isn't that what's right, Haas? Yep. All right. Uh, I guess I will go because I really am so excited. I, I like building the anticipation for, for Haas's prediction. I will say Nebraska is going to win. John went 38 ish. I already know part of where Haas is going. I will say, because you do need a field goal from time to time, 45-28, Nebraska. I like it. Great. Hey, one more thing. One more thing. Just one. Have you, have you, Nate Stanley, at the beginning of this year, was supposed to be an NFL-level quarterback, supposed to be the guy that was going to be drafted for Iowa as a quarterback. Again, have you guys watched Iowa much this season? I have not. It, it, I, I don't. A little bit. Okay. That guy is as inconsistent. What's this? Is like third year starting or something? Second. Uh, well, he's not consistent. I mean, I could make insults about him, but I, then I'd just be insulting some poor guy from Iowa. What's the point of that? He's just not been, you know, like I mentioned in the Northwestern game, it was like he was afraid to throw the ball 10 yards down the field. He's literally been all over the board. He's not gotten any better. I, you know, that's why I look at it and I go, okay, he's going to loft the ball high in the air to Noah Fant. And if he's open on play action, then they're going to score on that. But again, it's, I just, I, wow. You know what? There's two quarterbacks in this game, two starting quarterbacks in this game. Uh, one is rising and one is not rising. There you yep. go. I'm going to go with the Here team. It Here it is. The team with the quarterback that's rising. Your 
mine, Greg's, and John's Nebraska Cornhusker. Oh, yeah. Rolling into <laughs> Iowa City. Uh-huh. That, that East Berlin of the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling up about 550 yards of total offense. I like it. <laughs> and dropping half a hundred. 50 points Half on 100. Iowa, in Iowa City, Nebraska 50, Iowa 21, the saddest day in Iowa since they put Sudafed behind the counter. <laughs> I like it. It shan't be a field of dreams for the Iowa Hawkeyes this Friday. And may luck be a lady for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Luck if she's ever really ever been a lady. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 Hey, I know. Right, let's get out of here. I know my guys and dolls. Else. Damn it! Uh, it's like you're getting all hot and lathered up over there, man. <sighs> okay. And on that note, my name is Greg Mahachko. Ladies. Yeah, I gotta tell you, we got this right in our headphones when he's doing this. So it's just. Uh, let me break it down for you right now. <laughs> My name is Greg Hooch Mahachko. He's Hoss Reuter, and that's John Damn Johnston. And we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Call Big Red! Win the damn game. <laughs> Got a little excited there. I guess. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.